Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, podcast 102. I finished Bioshock Infinite, and I finished StarCraft II, Heart of the Swarm, so I talk about them. And Hitman Absolution was on sale, and somebody got it for me as a gift, so I talk about that in a retro review. Enjoy the show! So I finished Bioshock Infinite. What an incredible game. And the ending is, like, mind-blowing. It took me 12 hours to complete, so it's kind of on the shorter side, but I guess average for these days for a single-player game. But it was very worth it, even though it was kind of short compared to some games. It is one of the few games I have played pretty much in my whole life where it very much takes you to a different world. It doesn't feel like you're playing a game. It feels like, you know, you're in this whole complete world. A few notes about my previous rambling. I did find more mentions of the year 1912. So I guess 1902, which I had found references to, is probably when Columbia was, you know, supposedly set up. So it does seem more like it's 1912. Not that it really matters, since it's in an alternate timeline and all that, but still. Also... Holding Q to change your vigors and, you know, set up whatever you want to set up does actually pause the game. So it is actually perfectly safe to do in the middle of combat. Though, you know, the middle of combat, it's pretty chaotic and confusing to do. So I wouldn't recommend it anyways. Though having, you know, a versatile arsenal, as it were, is sometimes helpful in combats, depending on, you know, what guys you're fighting. Shopping at vending machines also kind of pauses the game. So it's kind of weird, you know, you can be in the middle of combat and there's, you know, a vending machine right there and you run out of ammo. Oh, let me just stop and buy some ammo, bad guys. And, you know, you got four bad guys shooting at you. They're all like, oh, okay, go ahead and shop. We'll wait. And it's like, you know, everything goes from really crazy combat to la 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 la. I'm shopping. I'm shopping. Okay, fight again. So that's a bit weird. But overall, it's an incredible game, very worth getting, especially if you are into the series. And like I said last time, if you were kind of hesitant about it because it looked kind of slow and not really interesting to you in previous versions, this version is a bit more action-y, it's a lot more open. There's a definite feel of sort of freedom of movement. So it's very definitely a a good jumping-on point for someone who is new who might be interested in the series. So I've now finished the single-player campaign of StarCraft II Heart of the Swarm. There isn't any official sort of time-measuring thing in the game, so I don't exactly know how long it took. 
I would guess it took between 8 and 12 hours. And I did all of the extra missions and all of the extra conversations. So that's kind of like a maximum time. I would guess if you ignored conversations and didn't do the side missions, you could probably plow through it in maybe six hours. But I mean, you know, what's what's the point of rushing through it and not getting all the content there is? You know, that seems kind of odd to me. Since if you want to play multiplayer, you can do that, you know, the second it's installed. You don't even have to do the single-player campaign at all. There are basically three different types of missions. There's the standard base building mission. There's a hero or small team type of mission, where it's just your hero or your hero and a few units. And they're going through and trying to accomplish various goals like move to here or, you know, capture this point. And then there's sort of a new... I guess you could call it MOBA style. It's a multiplayer online battle arena where if you get to a certain point, it will trigger an event or trigger spawning of critters that, you know, will help you, but they aren't under your control. Unlike the previous StarCraft II game, I would say that the standard base building style of mission is maybe only half of the total missions. Whereas before, with the base StarCraft II game, it might have been closer to like 85%. So I think that makes it sort of a little bit more accessible to people who aren't quite into the micromanagement of base building. But it might also put off those who actually are, and you know, multiplayer is all about just base building. So I'm not sure if that really helps them or hurts them. I actually kind of liked it quite a bit. Kerrigan has sort of a talent system as she levels up and you get to pick different things that you know help you out in different ways like one of the things I remember is that I picked one where overlords instantly spawn so it's like oh I need some more overlords make me three of them and instead of having to wait for it to morph from a a larva into a overlord it's just and they're in like instantly done things like that it's a pretty good story but there are some plot points or I guess various things just in general that you have to kind of be very forgiving about. There's some things that they don't really explain and some things that don't quite make sense if you really think about it. It's like, oh, why are you doing this instead of, you know, just completely ignoring that and doing this other thing that makes way more sense? You have to be kind of forgiving to the story. But it doesn't take, you know, a huge amount of effort to be forgiving to it. And it's, you know, a lot of fun and a good story. I probably won't do as much multiplayer as I thought I might. Because, as I mentioned before, the the players online are kind of, I don't know, mean or standoffish. They're not very friendly at all. And I played three or four games yesterday. And they were just using really crappy strategies. Not that, you know, I beat them and, oh, this wasn't a game worth my time because I beat them too easily. It's kind of the complete opposite they're really either not friendly or they're using these rush tactics that are basically just really crappy cheat things. It's kind of like they're sweeping the leg, you know? It's it's not very fun. It's not very sporting, I guess you could say. So it's like if I have to do that, I'm, I'm not interested in playing like that to, you know, advance my status. There are a few things I think Blizzard could do to prevent that. You know, make it so a certain radius of your, you know, your main building... You know, the enemy can't build within that radius or make it, you know, so that the little peon guys can't attack at all, which would make a lot more sense to me because using them offensively is just, that doesn't make any sense. But anyways, I think I will 
very definitely stop playing online strategy type games. I've pretty much stopped playing MOBA PvP games. And, um, you know, versus AI is not very interesting. I mean, you know, at least now that I've played so much of it, it's it's just not interesting anymore. And PvP shooters, uh, I've never been into them, so you know, I will continue to not play them. And for my uh, PvP experience, as it were, I will probably just wind up waiting for Hearthstone, because I will be very, very, very into that. So as I said before, if you are a fan of the StarCraft series, you would probably very much enjoy the Heart of the Swarm expansion. It does add some cool stuff to multiplayer, but, you know, it, it seems like you very definitely have to get through some crappy players to, you know, get some interesting matches that are fun. So, you know, for somebody casual like me, I don't really know if it's really worth it. And I guess those are all my closing thoughts for StarCraft 2 Heart of the Swarm now that I've finished. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Retro Review So as I said in the opening, Hitman Absolution was on a pretty big sale, and somebody picked it up for me as a gift, so that was awesome. I am not yet finished. I'm probably about five or so hours into the game. It is by IO Interactive, and they are the same people who have made all the previous Hitman games, so it's made by the same people. It released in November of 2012, so it's kind of a retro review. It's not super old but it is four months old. People who probably wanted to pick it up have probably already picked it up by now. It's kind of odd in that, you know, right around launch, there was all this noise about it, and then right after launch, there was, like, no noise about it. Advertising pretty much came to a complete halt. So that seems kind of strange to me. One thing that does really kind of bother me about it is that it continues sort of from a strange point. The previous game, which was eight years ago, quite a long time ago, I guess, ended in kind of a weird place. You had basically been betrayed by, um, I, I guess I could call her your handler, and she had effectively poisoned you, and the game ended with you sort of on, you know, a, a display table, as it were, being dead with your, you know, your hands across your chest holding your guns and, you know, the classic pose. But, you know, you're dead. And the game was, like, really short. I remember it only being like four or five hours, and I'm like, well, it hasn't been that long. This is probably maybe halfway through the game. I'm probably going to get up. You know, maybe it was a, a knockout poison, not an actual death poison. Nope, didn't happen. Credits rolled. I stayed dead, and that was that. So all these years, I've been thinking, you know, Hitman series is dead. They just left him dead until, you know, they restart it. But no, Hitman Absolution comes along. You're starting at a point where you're totally normal, you're walking around and there's no mention at all of what happened to you with the poison. It's just like, oh, your first mission is you have to go kill Diana because she betrayed us. Okay, we'll just, you know, we'll just ignore what happened in the last game at the end, I guess. I 
somehow got better, I guess. So that seems very strange that there was no mention of it. There are quite a few changes to this version, which are brand new to the series. At least I don't remember them being around before. Most notably, you have a radar in the bottom left corner, which shows dots for the bad guys and which way they're kind of pointing. You have an instinct power now. You have to hold down a button to activate your instinct power. The instinct power shows the path the bad guy is going to take. So like if they're walking, it will show like a fiery line, you know, where they're going to continue walking. And it's also kind of interesting in that if you activate the power when somebody's looking at you in a disguise, you can sort of be all casual, act casual as it were, and it will help you, you know, blend in and they won't catch you as quickly. So I think that's pretty cool. One other pretty cool thing that I think is meant to open it up to more casual players is that if you have enough of the instinct meter, I guess I could call it, you can stop time just for a a few brief seconds. But it's long enough that if there's like four guys in the room and you use the, the time stop, you can mark the different guys, you know, mark, click, 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 and then let time start, and you'll shoot all the guys where you mark them. So it's kind of cool, you know, you can bust into a room, oh crap, there's four guys here, you know, do the time stop thing, mark, 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 and then it'll do this cool cinematic. It's pretty cool. It's certainly not pro like the previous games. The previous games, you had to shoot them each, and it was, you know, a really bad situation if you had three or four guys on you. But there are five difficulty settings, and I think the top two actually negate the instinct power, so it kind of makes it like the old games you know you can't do that so i think they are trying to appeal more to the casual player or the new player of the hitman series while still you know being super hardcore for those people who are you know heavily into the old school style a lot of the cutscenes, and there are quite a few of them there there's a lot of story in this seem to ignore the disguise or the weapon you're holding so it's like say you're disguised as a policeman and you you know, leave the area, and it goes into a cutscene, you know, it's going to show you in your regular outfit instead of the, the police uniform that you were in. Uh, one cool thing about uh, wearing disguises and blending in is, I don't think this was in previous games, it might have been, but whatever you are disguised as, that group of people has a higher chance to, you know, discover that you're in a disguise, whereas people, you know, in different outfits would not notice you. So let's use the example again of uh, a policeman. Say you're dressed as a policeman. If you're walking by, say, a chef, they will not notice you at all. They won't care. But if you walk by another policeman, the policeman will become suspicious and you'll have to be careful of him. So that's a really cool feature. I really kind of like that because you have to watch and you know pay attention to who you're passing and you know use your instinct power to sort of blend in and not get too close to them, but you can get close to the other guys. So it makes it kind of interesting for those of us who like to wear disguises and fit in. There is a kind of rating system that sort of rates how you do in the level. You know, how many people you kill, what you do, if you're sneaking, if you're using disguises. And so that gives you sort of a point value and and says, you know, a rating for um, how you do. (laughs) I don't know the various ratings. But it's like I know a couple I've gotten have been like professional, which is like, I guess, the highest rating. And then a couple others were like Stealth Assassin. And then, you know, if you're, you know, at the strata level and you don't have very many points, it'll show, you know, that you're doing okay, but it won't have a really cool rating name. I guess that's pretty much just for online bragging rights. 
Mostly I've played the game offline so far, you know, when I don't have a signal at work or whatever. I think when you're online, it will show, you know, your rating compared to the world rating, the average, you know, of other people. So that's pretty cool. I like that. It seems like there is a big focus on, you know, that rating system and seeing, you know, how you do compared to other people. They've also added this contracts thing, which I guess is, you know, pretty much purely a rating challenge, seeing how many challenges you can do and special things. Because each mission has a bunch of optional stuff, I guess you could say. And the more optional stuff you do, the more points you can potentially get. And so I think this new contract mode is basically, you know, people have set up other challenges and it's all about, you know, getting more points. I haven't tried it yet, so I'm, I don't know. I will probably talk about that in the future. As you get more points and continue in levels, there's sort of a, a leveling system. It's kind of difficult to tell because I just kind of get this stuff. It's not like I pick anything. But it unlocks things like faster reload and higher accuracy and longer time to blend in if you're using your instinct power to, you know, wear disguise and get past somebody, things like that. It it would be much cooler if it was an actual talent system or if there was kind of a tree you could see. Like, you know, I, I did this kind of stealthy thing so it progresses me in the stealth tree or I did this shooting thing and it progresses me down a shooting tree you know I think that would be much more interesting but I guess it's it's okay to have a general you know leveling up as you go and just you know give you powers for whatever this seems interesting maybe next game they will be um more advanced in that so far like I said I've played about five hours it's been pretty fun there are some I guess you could say traditional sort of curiosities, which have always bothered me. Like, you know, my biggest pet peeve, I guess is a good term for it, is it when guys are on the phone, they'll, you know, get on the phone and you sneak up behind them, they'll be like talking to somebody in the middle of a conversation and you'll, you know, choke them out or kill them. And it's like, the person on the other end of the line doesn't seem to care. It's like, oh, my friend just got killed randomly. I guess I'll just hang up and not worry about it. So that always struck me as a little weird, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna take somebody out in the middle of a phone call or something, you know, that should alert everybody, you know, people should hang up and they should call the other guards and be like, hey, my friend I was just talking to just like, got choked or something. But no, you know, it doesn't matter. It is actually a good way to get them when they're distracted, which I don't always struck me as a little weird. So you know, there's a few things like that that have traditionally been in the game which are still in the game for some reason oh and also the bad guys seem to have a set pattern so bad guy say say you're tracking three bad guys and bad guy a does this pattern bad guy b does this pattern and bad guy c does this pattern so it's like the more you try to replay the level and learn their pattern it's like it becomes really predictable i don't know if that's an advantage or disadvantage i mean it certainly makes it easier you know, the more you try to complete the level, you know, the the better you can be at succeeding. So if you're having trouble, you know, you just manage to, you know, memorize, say, target A's pattern and then figure out what to do to get at him. But I don't know. Personally, I would kind of prefer a randomized pattern. You know, they don't always do the same thing. There isn't always the same set of stuff on the level in the same places. So, you know, there would be some randomness to it. But I don't know. I guess that might be too difficult or too challenging to program for. But so far, um, you know, if you are a fan of the series, I would say it is very welcoming for those who are 
new to the series, and yet there's still those hardcore old-school settings for the old faithful fans of the series. One really weird thing is they have this checkpoint system. I don't know if it was in the game before. I don't remember it. I remember just saving. And it seems kind of like the movements of a lot of the not main target are randomized. So if you save at a checkpoint and then you, you know, blow that and and you have to restart, it could be that things that you did are sort of undone. Like one I thought was kind of hilarious is there was this one mission. I went into the bar and there's a staff guy that just hangs out in the bathroom there. And I choked him out and, um, you know, got his outfit to wear his disguise, put him in the closet, and then I saved in a checkpoint. And then I wound up having to do that level like half a dozen more times because I kept getting caught. But in the playthrough, I think it was immediately after that one, I went into the bathroom because that's, you know, where one of the targets goes. And the security guard that I had choked out and stole the costume of was standing right there. So it's like, I walked into the bathroom and it's like, oh, hey, guy I choked out and took your clothes from. You're back for some reason. So the checkpoint system's a little weird. I mean, I guess it works, but I tend to actually not use the checkpoints when I'm playing through. I'd rather just play through the whole level again. Because that weirdness coming up is, you know, pretty weird. Like I said, I'm only five hours in, though, so, it, you know, levels might get a lot bigger. I don't know. I might be kind of forced to use it in the future. I don't know. Just seemed a little weird, though. Open Klingon style. Klingon style. Kaupon Rotan, Ikusaka Blajeta. News for this time is pretty small. Dishonored the Knife of Dunwall is coming out the 16th, so that's pretty soon. Injustice Gods Among Us for consoles is also coming out on the 16th. So again, it's also pretty soon. And one I've not mentioned before, which is also for consoles, PS3 and 360, is Star Trek on the 23rd. For those who do not know, it is not following the movie, which is coming up, I think, the end of May. And it does not follow the first movie. It's actually a game based in the Star Trek universe with the new cast, but it's its own story made by the people who make the game. So, you know, no movie tie-ins and no, like, spoilers of any kind. So that would be pretty cool to play through. I would check it out, but it's not for PC, so I guess I don't have a choice on that. Maybe someday. That's all my news. So I guess that is it for this week's Rabbit's Rumblings. Still haven't seen Oz, but I guess I kind of missed it. I guess G.I. Joe finally came out, and um, it seems to have taken over most of the spots 
that Oz had in the theater that is close to me that I like to go to. So Oz is only on in like one small theater off to the side, so I guess I missed it. I was too slow. I will probably go check out G.I. Joe, but I don't know. It's like I really liked the first one. It had just enough sort of campiness of the series, and yet, you know, enough new school stuff to be cool and interesting. But the second one, I don't know, it just looks like G.I. Joe versus Ninja. It doesn't look really interesting to me. Especially since I've heard that, you know, basically all of G.I. Joe except for like four guys is completely wiped out. So it's like, why are we killing off all the characters right after we just made them? That makes no sense at all. So, I don't know, it doesn't seem super interesting to me. But I don't know, the first one was pretty fun and, you know, it does look okay. So I don't know, I'll probably check it out before it disappears. There's not really any other movies I have coming that I'm interested in except for Star Trek, which is several months from now. So I don't know. I don't know what else I would watch in theaters. So I'll probably go see it. Hopefully this time I won't miss it, you know, by being too slow. But I guess that's it. I'm feeling okay-ish in terms of uh, cold, because last time I kind of had a cold. Some of my weight that I had lost uh, came back, so that's kind of sad. But you know, it's still only the second or third week I've been doing this, so kind of not a real gauge, you know, how well I'm doing quite yet. But I guess that's it, and hopefully everybody had a good Easter time and had some fun stuff to enjoy on April 1st with all the April Fool's stuff going on. And I guess, hopefully, I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. All of the reviewers were kind of up in uproar because, you know, the trailers and stuff featured all these, you know, girls and, you know, the, the nuns. Not really worth mentioning, I guess. You can sort of, you can sort of talk. I shall be interested in hearing your description, Captain. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdotcom. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.